Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Join us as we journey into the past. Who were the people? What were they like? How did they begin and how did they end? Let's find out on the Fan of History, episode 17, the 1870s BC, The Lord of Massacres. Last time on the Fan of History, we had the greatest party of all time, hosted by Ashurnapal II when he started building his new capital of Kalal. Today it's modern Nimrud. So, Dan, what happened after the party was over? Well, um, there will be some uh, some war and stuff. <laughs> um. Remember, the Assyrians had a, a yearly duty to campaign for the god of war. Oh, yeah. And now we have the third king of the empire, Ashur Nasir Pal II, and he is a very religious man when it comes to this. And he has already won a couple of wars. He has everybody's attention. Everybody came to his party. And his goal is still to reclaim all the territory of the Middle Assyrian Empire. And sort of be the equal of Tiglath Peleser I, uh, who was a great king of the Middle Assyrian Empire. Right. And today we will learn what, uh, what the walls of the British Museum t- says. There's the, this whole apartment, uh, department in uh, the British Museum talking about Ashur Nasipal II. And it's pretty gory. <laughs> so uh, that's why Ashur Nasipal II Earned the nickname Lord of Massacres. But we, before we uh, discuss the great king, sure. we have to talk about another nation state nearby. Uh, last time we introduced Hamath and Karkemish. Mm-hmm. This time we shall talk a little about Aram Damascus. You usually call this Aram Damascus to distinguish it from later Damascus states. This is in Syria then. 
and it's uh, an Aramean kingdom. So remember, the Arameans merged with, with the Neo-Hittites mm -hmm. to form uh, city-states. But this is not a city-state, and it doesn't have many Neo-Hittites in it, but it's still inspired by the Neo-Hittites. But it's fully Aramean, and it's the only state uh, of significance they will ever construct. And we know quite a bit about Aram Damascus because it is uh, constantly appearing in the Old Testament, often as the enemy of uh, the Hebrews. Mm -hmm. The first known ruler is Ben-Hadad I. He rules from 885 to 865 BC, so this is this period. Uh, and the Damascus state will also appear a lot in the Assyrian chronicles because they will be focus of resistance to the early Assyrian Empire and they will they will be around for many episodes like a, a nail in the eye of the Assyrians. <laughs> but right now Ben Hadad I is occupied with fighting the early Israel state. So it's very hard to tell which state is the first to appear of Israel and Damascus and they are right next to each other. Uh, Omri is still the king of Israel. And he's building in Samaria. You can tell this from archaeology that there's a lot of things happening in the capital of Israel. Um, there are trade routes going through Damascus from Israel. So you really need to have a good relation with Damascus. So they have fought uh, already, but they are, they sort of have a tentative peace and try to do trades. And there is actually a D uh, Aramean trading district in Samaria. Uh, probably then controlled by from Damascus, pretty much. And the kingdom of Judah, including Jerusalem, is still a mystery at this time. So we actually don't know if Judah is around or if it's part of Israel or what's happening in Jerusalem. It's very unclear. Hmm. So that... I, and there, the Israel seems, and Judah... Yeah. Okay, I was going to say, it sounds like uh, when you're talking about some controversy there, I'm guessing uh, yes. that, I'm guessing there's some some that <laughs> some texts let's say are very <laughs> adamant that yes. it was at this time but there's some maybe um, physical evidence missing. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk a lot about Judah later, but uh, there is a point where the first confirmed archaeological evidence exists. But we have to put Judah in our story earlier than that because it gets so entangled with everything that I can't understand how it could not have existed right. at, at some point around uh, 760. Okay. But now we are in 878 BC. The party has ended. Uh, and Ashurnasipal II looks for somewhere to go uh, in the next year. He is, uh, he looks at the adventures of his father and grandfather. So he uh, emulates, there was a campaign that they both did. So he takes the Assyrian royal army down the Kabur and the middle Euphrates river. Uh, and uh, the people there are like, uh oh. So they pay their tribute. But there is a tribe, an Aramean tribe called the Suku, and they don't want to pay the tribute. And Ashurnasipal is <laughs> all right, it's on. Oh, boy. 
there are weirdly enough some Babylonian auxiliary soldiers with the Suku. And remember, Assyria has peace with Babylon. Sure. And there is a city called the uh, Suru. And there's another city called Suru that we'll also talk about. <laughs> uh, maybe in this episode, so this is very confusing. But the leader of the Suku, the Aramean tribe, the Suku, was besieged in his city, Suru, with his Babylonian auxiliaries. And there's a battle for two days before Ashurnasipal II can enter the city. And here we actually have a quote of what happened when the Assyrian army was victorious in the city of Suru. So take it away with your best Ashurnasipal II voice. Okay, I'll do my best. Their men, young and old, I took prisoner. Of some, I cut off their feet and hands. Of others, I cut off their ears, nose, and lips. Of the young men's ears, I made a heap. Of the old men's heads, I made a minaret. I exposed their heads as trophies on the front of their city. The male children, the female children, I burned in flames. The city I destroyed and consumed with fire. So, you get a sense that he's experimenting. What uh, will install the greatest terror in people? Uh, a minaret is a pillar. So he actually builds a pillar of people's heads, which is uh, kind of weird. That's a, it's kind of gross. <laughs> yeah, it'll get worse. <laughs> uh, there were some, some of the Arameans escaped to river islands and uh, the Assyrians couldn't get to them. So they managed to get away from this massacre. Um, remember, Babylon had a king called Nabu Aplu Edina. Mm-hmm. He has this peace going on with uh, the Assyrians, and uh, he is never called. Uh, we we have no record of him being questioned about these Babylonian soldiers <laughs> who were actively helping, and we don't know what happened to the the Babylonian soldiers in Suru. Hmm. Uh, so in Babylon, there's peace, and actually, there is a tentative recovery from the Dark Age. So we, it seems that there's cultural revival, there's literal revival. We suddenly get sources from Babylon once again. And uh, it seems that Nabu Aplidina is uh, doing really good politics, saving Babylon here. But it turns out that his brother, Sabdanu, were actually captured by... Uh, so I, I have, uh, his brother, Sabdanu, and 3,000 soldiers are taken prisoner by Ashurnasipal II in this conflict or in another when he fights the Armenians. Uh, so there is a note that these guys were captured, and we don't know what happened to them, which is very common with people being captured by the Assyrians. They just disappear. Huh. Uh, but still he isn't called... Uh, he isn't questioned about this, or the, the alliance continues. All right. Uh, there is actually a warrior king inscription, and they are rare among the Babylonians. Most Babylonian inscriptions talk about other virtues of the king, but Nabu Aplidina has a, a, an inscription mentioning him as a great warrior, uh, and he seems to have fought some Arameans in in Babylonia and recovered the city of Sippar and rebuilt the temples in Sippar. Uh, so <clears throat> it's very hard to nail this guy down. Either he's very weak 
or very, very clever. And I think he's clever. I think he is sort of on the edge of his, in his Assyrian relations, and he managed to keep Babylon safe. Well, that seems to be a feat. <laughs> Asher Nasapal II seems to fly off the handle at, uh, at a moment's notice. So to be able to get some things done and then avoid conflict, that's... Yeah, and it, it's, it's almost clever. strange how much Asher Nasipal II avoids attacking Babylon. And his son will do the same thing. So Babylon is safe for 50 years. And when you're going to hear what comes later, you realize that this is very unusual <laughs> for the Assyrians. <laughs> All right. Well, is there anything going on in other parts of the world? Two other things happened in 878 BC. Uh, all uh, around the other side of the world, King Ji of Zhou China dies in 878 BC. He ruled China from 885 to 878. And uh, his reign included a loss of central power to the local nobles. Uh, he has a son called King Li, who becomes the 10th king of the Zhou dynasty. And King Li is not about to accept that the Zhou dynasty is losing its power over China. Or maybe he will accept that if you pay him enough. Uh-oh. He can be bought. Yes, he can. In 878 BC, also we have Ithubal I becoming the king of Tyre, the Phoenician city on the coast of Lebanon today. He rules uh, Tyre from 878 to 847 BC. So that's over 30 years. He has a very famous daughter named Jezebel. The Jezebel? Yes, that's her. And she will be probably the main focus of one of our episodes in a short while. Hmm. Uh, there were four brothers who had ruled tired, and Ithubal I killed the last one of them and took over Tyre. <laughs> And slowly, Tyre is becoming the most powerful of the Phoenician city-states. And this may be partly because Ithobal I has a really good relationship with Israel, who is a mighty power player on the Mediterranean coast. So Tyre and Israel are allies. And this will be cemented then when Ithobal I marries his daughter to the Israel king, making her a star in the Old Testament. I guess we have to mention Egypt. Yeah, what's can, uh... can we avoid mentioning Egypt? <laughs> Everybody wants to know what is happening in Egypt thanks to uh, many movies and yeah, popular it's... culture. We are in the the third intermediary period, a uh, dark time for Egypt. Mm -hmm. Uh, we have two different di dynasties ruling Egypt, one of them from Tanis, one of them from Thebes. Taklot I is the 22nd dynasty king in Tanis. Harsiesa is the king of uh, uh, Thebes. And uh, documentation is starting to break down. Hmm. So, uh, uh, A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps to Detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Oh. Okay, let's move on from Egypt. <laughs> no more Egypt. Let's get yeah, back to, to this next year. Yeah, let's get back to some, some fighting. Yeah, in 877 BC, people in Assyria looked at Ashurnasipal. Will there be a yearly campaign? You bet there will be a yearly campaign. <laughs> there are building projects going on at Kala, and uh, possibly more workers are needed, so he has to go out and capture people. And in this situation, three cities, or three Aramean tribes, Suhu, Lake, and Hindanu, rebel. They don't want to pay their tribute. They want to fight for freedom. <laughs> and the right. big Adini tribe, they are in the northwestern. They border uh, in uh, the Assyrian Empire in the northwest. And they have actually installed the king in Suhu from their mm. own tribe. And so given help to Suhu. And that's not acceptable, is it? No. And remember, some people in the last battle last year, some people uh, escaped to river islands to get across, to, to flee from the Assyrians. Right. So Ashurnasipal introduces the technology of building inflatable rafts made of goat skin. <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> so you have these inscriptions of Assyrian soldiers uh, swimming with these rafts. So they're pretty much sort of swimming help devices <laughs> to get to these river islands to so people can't escape to them. So the Assyrian army goes down the Kabul River to these places. And um, there is actually great detail from these campaigns. Uh, it seems that some of these places were... Uh, governed by Assyrians already, because Ashurnasipal II's policy is to install Assyrian governors, if he can. Mm -hmm. And these Assyrian governors actually were part of the rebellion. Hmm. So, Ashurnasipal wins a glorious victory. People can't escape to the River Islands because of these <laughs> amazing goatskin rafts. <clears throat> yeah. So... So what does he do to the rebels, to the Assyrians, and the people who didn't want to pay? Well, let's see. Let's see what's written here. <clears throat> I built a pillar over against his city gate, and I flayed all of the chief men who had revolted. 
and I covered the pillar with their skins. Some I walled up within the pillar, some I impaled upon the pillar, and others I bound to stakes round about the pillar. Many within the borders of my own land I flayed. I spread their skins upon the walls, and I cut off the limbs of the officers, of the royal officers who had rebelled. So you have this big pillar. There are people impaled on top of the pillar. The pillar is covered with human skin. And uh, the walls of the city is covered with human skin. <laughs> it's like, what the hell is going on? This guy is obsessed with pillars. And skins. <laughs> yeah. He's got a thing, and it's weird. And uh, I think he's trying to make a very clear message here that you don't mess with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he doesn't He doesn't take betrayal especially well either. <laughs> and it, it has become iconic for the Assyrians. You see these pictures all the time of Assyrians flaying people and but it's mostly this guy. I thought when I started this that, uh, oh, every Assyrian king did this. And we'll talk about it when it happens, but it's actually quite rare. But it's pretty uh, impactful. <laughs> yeah. And wow. it will be interesting to note that the Assyrian rule must have been pretty bad. Because despite that you know that this happens when you rebel, people will rebel against the Assyrian Empire. Still. All the time. Well, you can't keep people down forever. Uh, absolutely. And this is one of the great inventions of the Persian Empire when it comes along. They pretty much do things the same way as the Assyrians in all aspects, except that they don't massacre people like this all the time. <laughs> so it's um, they are a bit friendlier, and that will work very well for them. Well, that's good. Well, so you had mentioned earlier, that's kind of intriguing, that uh, one um, king in China could be bought. Yes. What, what else What else is going on over there? Well, the king is kind of corrupted. Right. But this doesn't play out yet, because in 877 BC, the Western Rong, a mm -hmm. uh, barbarian people to the west, uh, invades Zhou China from their land of Huaxia. And this is the first of many invasion and raids from the barbarians on China. Uh, the Zhou capital, called Hao, was attacked, and the uh, Zhou authority over China is further weakened. Uh, the nobles are occupied with fighting the barbarians, so mm, okay. and, uh, the king has to depend on them. So they, they are sort of allied with the king just because it's, it's threatened. There are, uh, the Western Rong has been around before. They were enemies of the Shang state that existed before the Zhou state. There are pretty much four important groupings of barbarians around China, and we only have the Chinese sources, of course, and not the barbarians. So they are quite confusing, and they don't really know these people. Uh, the dog people that we talked about earlier in the last century, they were part of the Western Rong. Uh, there is also the Eastern Dongji, and they actually live uh, at the Pacific coast, as I understand it. Uh, there is the Northern Beldi and the Ji, 
Uh, the Western Rong are said to have green eyes and red hair, which is not what you picture in your head when you think about barbarians attacking China. And they might have come from Tibet. Wow. And this is all we know of these wars in China at this time. Uh, I really want to know more about China. and I've looked all over for a good book on early China history, but they all are very sketchy in uh, at this time. And the sources for China will get even worse uh, before they get better, sadly. Hmm, that's just too bad. Back to Assyria! Okay, back to Assyria. So remember the bit Adini had put a king in Suhu, and uh, they were involved in this uh, rebellion somehow. So in 876 BC, Ashur decides to go punish the bit Adini. And the Bitadini is uh, the most important Aramean tribe or Aramean city-state close to uh, Assyria. They will be around for a little while longer. And they have a big fortress city called Kaprabu. And Kaprabu is right next to Assyria, so it isn't far away for Ashurnasipal II. It's the first of four campaigns he makes into Syria. Uh, and... Uh, this uh, city is attacked by Ashurnasipal's royal army. And here we have the great king himself telling you what happened. <laughs> in strife and conflict, I besieged and conquered the city. I fell 3,000 of the fighting men with the sword. I captured many troops alive. I cut off some of their arms and hands. I cut off. Others' noses, ears, and extremities. I gouged out the eyes of many troops. I made one pillar of the living and one pillar of heads. I hung their heads on trees around the city. So he made a pillar of the living uh, and another pillar of heads? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. Was, uh, there, was there anyone left to uh, look at these pillars? It seems well, like you'd like, be killing so many people to make all these pillars. You're not going to have anybody to be afraid of. Fortunately pillars. for the Bittadini, that was not all of their forces. So they lost this fortress city, but they are still around. But they lost control to the Assyrians of the crossing of the Euphrates. And they also have to pay tribute here. But this is very important then, because one sign of the Middle Assyrian Empire was that they controlled the river crossing. From Assyria, you go over the Euphrates into Syria. And this mm -hmm. is a super important point if you want to control the Middle Assyrian Empire area. And now the Assyrians control the river crossing. Uh, but the Bitadini will be a problem for quite some time. And they will be a very big problem for Ashurnasipal II's son, who will occupy many of our episodes. Uh, but this is the end of the Aramean states, the strong Aramean states east of the Euphrates. So now this, uh, the Assyrian heartland has been recovered. Uh, in 875 BC, now Ashurnasipal II has a border with the greatest of the Neo-Hittite cities, Carchemish. And King Sangara of Carchemish, he was at the greatest party of all time. He knows what the Assyrians can do, and when he sees the Assyrian army march across the former Bitadini lands, they actually march across the 
the land that the Bitadini control because the Bitadini are paying tribute now and they're like, oh yeah, you're not attacking us. Go ahead, <laughs> cross <laughs> our land. Yeah, feel free. And uh, now Asenasipal's army comes up to the great rich city of Karkemish. And remember, he visited this city once before. And this is what happens uh, this time in 875 BC. Hmm. The nobles and elders of the city came out to me to save their lives. They seized my feet and said, If it pleases you, kill. If it pleases you, spare. If it pleases you, do what you will. And that was a good move on the city of Kerkemish's part, because they totally surrender, they pay their tribute, they swear their allegiance to Ashenazabal II, and they give him tons of uh, nice stuff. I'm sure it included many monkeys and beds and important <laughs> furniture. <laughs> uh, so they saved their city, and they are now uh, a tributary of the Assyrians. All so, right. the Aramean threat has been uh, taken care of. Karkemish is a tributary. The Babylonians are allies. So, Ashurnasipal has accomplished a lot of what he wanted to accomplish. Now he has to find a new target, because there has to be a campaign every year. <laughs> and the Assyrian kings of old, they used to... Uh, show their power by marching their army all the way to the Mediterranean, which is way outside of the Middle Assyrian Empire's where And then they would wash their weapons in the Great Sea. And this appeals to Ashurnasipal II, so that is what he will try to do in our next episode. On to the Mediterranean! Onward we go. And, of course, at the Mediterranean there is uh, Damascus, Israel, all the Aramean and Neo-Hittite city-states, and the Phoenicians, who so far have benefited a lot from the rise of the Assyrian Empire, but uh, then the Assyrian Empire wasn't outside their door, because they are selling a lot of stuff to the Assyrians that the Assyrians can't get anyway, any other way. So the Phoenicians like the rise of the Assyrian Empire so far, but maybe they'll change their mind in our next episode. <laughs> well, we shall see. All right, folks. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. Please go to YouTube. We hope you do like and subscribe and share. Also, don't forget to give us a review on iTunes. We are on iTunes, facebook.com slash fanofhistory, Twitter, is at the fan of history. Also, the website, thefanofhistory.wordpress.com. Well, thank you for listening. Thank you. There's, there's no. <laughs> no, I think we finished last time. Didn't we? Wasn't that the final round? Nope. This one's supposed to be the final round. I think the last time was the final round. Oh, okay. I, I think you ended 3 2, right? I won the final round. So this is just me making poor notes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. 
Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.